Well, good morning, everyone. We're glad to see you today, and we're glad that you're able to be here. We've had so much sickness uh, in the church family. I believe last week, uh, Melody counted up, and I think we were missing about 39 of our folks. That's half the church right there uh, who were not well. Uh, there seems to be some COVID going around again, so let's uh, let's keep one another in prayer, keep all these folks in prayer also. John, good to see you here this morning also. Hope you're feeling better, and uh, some of you others also, uh, but we're glad. I'm glad the Lord is in control of all things. Amen. Let me make sure that this is on. All right. So, I invite you to open your Bible this morning to James chapter 3. I was speaking with Scott just before we began, and he was telling me last week when I read a particular verse, he couldn't find it. He said, well, my Bible doesn't say that. And uh, I think he's got several apps on his phone. And so he looked through all three different versions he has. And he couldn't find the verse I was reading. Is that right, Scott? So we, we're make sure we're on the right page today. Everybody's on the same page. Chapter 3, and uh, we're going to be looking at the last two verses of this chapter. The last two verses, James chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. I've asked Scott if he would uh, just open up in prayer for this morning's session, please. Amen. Thank you, Brother Scott. All right, Sterling, we are not, uh, we're not working. There we go. All right, good. Well, in our last study, uh, James told us of the importance of wisdom that uh, is needed to tame our tongue and also to live the Christian life. True wisdom and understanding will manifest itself in our lives and, of course, in our speech. And the kind of wisdom we have will not only uh, affect the use of our tongues, but it will affect every area of our life. Wisdom is divided into two realms. Man's wisdom, which is false and from, a he and from hell, and God's wisdom, which is true and from heaven, it's from above. So in verse 13, James told us about, he said, the true wisdom is humble told us that it is humble and that the qualification uh, and that the qualification for teaching is wisdom. It's not mere knowledge and intelligence, but it's rather wisdom that is characterized by humility. He told us the true wisdom is shown uh, in our actions. He says, let him show. So a wise man will show his wisdom out of a good conversation. That is his conduct, his uh, behavior, by his very actions. As people watch this person, they can see that he is uh, showing forth good, a good conversation or good conduct. 
And you can tell a wise man by the way he lives, or a wise woman, or a wise young person. True wisdom is also shown in our attitudes, he says, with meekness of wisdom, in verse 13. Uh, who is a wise man and endowed with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with weak meekness, uh, with meekness of wisdom. Okay, so that is mildness or humility. And uh, then in verses 14 through 16, James dealt with false wisdom is hellish. Uh, the second thing we saw that this wisdom from below is from hell. It is counterfeit wisdom. Uh, the actions and attitudes of false wisdom does not demonstrate humble wisdom. The wisdom of this world uh, does not seek the spiritual things uh, because of... Uh, I'm looking for something here, sorry. Don't you hate it when paper sticks together and you can't get it? All right. So the actions and attitudes of false wisdom does not demonstrate humble wisdom. The wisdom of this world does not seek spiritual things of God because, well, wisdom is foolishness to this world. God says in 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 19, for the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. That's what God thinks about this world's wisdom. And concerning spiritual matters, uh, man's wisdom is it's ridiculous. It's foolishness to God. In verse 14, James showed us the evidence of false wisdom. He says, bitter envy, and that is bitter jealousy. Uh, this is a resentful attitude toward others and what they have. And then he says, strife, which is selfish ambition or self-seeking. Uh, getting what you want, regardless of who you step on to get it. And then boasting, he says, glory not. James said that these attitudes are in our hearts. And uh, when we boast of these sins, we deny or we lie against God's word. A truly wise man makes no room for bitter jealousy or selfish ambition. And then in verse 15, I'm just kind of doing a little recap here. In verse 15, we saw the behavior of false wisdom. And the reason false wisdom behaves like it does is because, first of all, it's not from above. And this kind of wisdom does not come from God. It is earthly, he says in verse 14. But if ye have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, glory not, lie not against the truth. That's verse 14. Verse 15, this wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, it's sensual, and it's devilish. So he says it's not from above, it's earthly, or it's uh, another word for worldly. It's based upon earthly standards earthly sources, earthly aims, and uh, it measures itself by earthly success. He also says it's sensual, uh, that is, uh, it's, it's natural. It refers to being unspiritual and, of course, operating out of the flesh. It's devilish, meaning demonic uh, in nature, and, of course, Satan is the source of it. And then finally, in verse 16, uh, he says, For where envy and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. So we saw there in verse 16 the results of false wisdom. Wisdom that is earthly, it's sensual, and devilish will always produce tragic results. Confusion, he says, uh, that's disorder. Uh, whenever envy, jealousy, and strife 
which is uh, self-seeking, are present, then there will be confusion, there will be instability, uh, there will be chaos. And you know, that's why this world is in such a mess today, isn't it? As we'll see, and we're going to see more of that in chapter 4 when we get there. And then he says also, every evil work. This wisdom from hell produces nothing that is good, only evil. Now this morning, uh, we're going to conclude this chapter 3, and um, we're going to get, uh, uh, Pastor is going to bring us back into the session with Steve Lawson, and we have, I think, about six more sessions there, and we're going to uh, get into that next week, the Lord willing, and then uh, after that, then I will pick up again with chapter 4 and chapter 5, okay? So this morning, we're concluding chapter 3, and we're going to see the contrast that James gives us between false wisdom of this world, and the wisdom that comes from above. So in the last two verses of this chapter, uh, James gives us the characteristic uh, characteristics of wisdom that is from God and the blessing that it produces. And in these two verses, he tells us that the wisdom we need is from heaven. And it is available for living the Christian life. All right, so the first thing we're going to see here is the characteristics of true wisdom in verse 17. So what distinguishes true wisdom from false wisdom? Well, first of all, true wisdom is not man-made. Uh, man, you know, man has a problem, and the problem is his heart. Uh, he thinks he possesses the wisdom to deal uh, with all the issues of life, but the biggest issue is the deceitfulness of his heart. Jeremiah 17, 9 tells us that, doesn't it? The heart is deceitful, desperately wicked above all things. Remember that when you uh, begin to think that your heart's all right. I've heard some people say, you know, well, I just follow my heart. I'll just follow what my heart tells me to do. No, don't do that because your heart is wicked. It's deceitful. All right. So second, the wisdom is not the product of one's culture uh, or uh, intellect or education. You know what? Uh, I found out when I went to Tennessee Temple University in Chattanooga, Tennessee, uh, after I got out of the Air Force um, to prepare my life for ministry, I found out that there were no degrees in wisdom. There were no courses available in wisdom. There wasn't any Wisdom 101 or Wisdom 102. There wasn't anything like that. You cannot get a degree in true wisdom. Uh, and you know what? I've heard somebody say, You've had, you may have more degrees than a thermometer, and still not have wisdom. True wisdom comes from above, and um, it is a gift of God, and like all of His gifts, it's perfect in all of its characteristics. You remember what James said in chapter 1? Just turn the page there in chapter 1 and verse 17. James said, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. The gifts that God gives, there, there are no flaws in it. There, every gift he gives is, is a perfect gift and comes and is, is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Listen to Proverbs 2 and verse 6. For the Lord giveth wisdom, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. Where do we find wisdom? Right here. Right here. Every word is God-breathed. We believe in the inspiration of Scripture. 
Ecclesiastes 2 and verse 26 says, For God giveth to a man that is good in his sight wisdom and knowledge and joy. Now, the dictionary defines wisdom like this, quote, It is the quality or state of being wise, knowledge of what is true or right, coupled with just judgment as to action, discernment, or insight, scholarly knowledge or learning, the wisdom of the schools, wise sayings or teachings, precepts, the quality of having experience. End of quote. The problem with this definition is that it is man-centered. Okay? The biblical meaning in its highest definition is nothing less than one of the attributes of God. And that is this. Wisdom is God's perspective on things, how He views everything, period. I'll repeat that. Wisdom is God's perspective on things, how He views everything. One author said this, quote, Wisdom is the ability to judge and evaluate sorrow and joy from God's standpoint, to view from God's perspective what comfort and pain mean. If we look strictly from God's perspective, we will not respond in a godly way to pressures that these bring upon us. This wisdom is the ability to know that in the midst of everything, God will work out that which is best for us, that no experience will defeat us or separate us from His love. Another author said this, Wisdom is the God-given insight into our human circumstances and situations that enables a man to see God's will coupled with a wholehearted desire to see it done. By the way, knowledge is not wisdom. Did you know that? Knowledge, the accumulation of knowledge is not wisdom. Uh, you know, these words have often been confused, knowledge and wisdom, um, and sometimes they're used um, synonymously. I like what British preacher uh, uh, Charles Spurgeon once said, quote, Wisdom is the right use of knowledge. To know is not to be wise. Many men know a great deal and are the greater fools for it. To know how to use knowledge is to have wisdom. That's good, isn't it? So James is now going to give us seven characteristics of godly wisdom. All right, The first one here you see is purity. Purity, it is pure. He says in verse 17, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure. It is holy and clean. And this, of course, describes God himself, for he is holy. And therefore, the wisdom from above is pure and holy. And the idea is that it is free from defilement and contamination. First John chapter 3, verse 3 says, And every man that hath this hope in him purifies himself, even as God is pure. And then James says next, it's peace. It's peaceable. God's wisdom is not only pure, but it is peaceable or peace-loving uh, or peace-promoting. Living in peace with others and promoting peace among men. Paul said this in Romans 12, verse 18. It is, if it be possible, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. 
My, what a different world this would be if we all lived that way. Jesus said in Matthew 5 and verse 9, and the pastor is going to be uh, dealing with the Beatitudes here, I believe, starting soon. Starting soon. And Jesus said in Matthew 5 and verse 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. You see, God's wisdom leads to peace because He is the God of peace. And peace is one of the fruits of the Spirit that uh, we find in um, Galatians chapter 5. And then next, gentleness. It's gentle. And this refers to a character trait of sweet reasonableness. Such a person is mild, he is inoffensive, and will submit to all kinds of mistreatment and difficulty with attitude an attitude of kind, courteous, considerate, patient humility, without any thought of hatred or revenge. Gentle wisdom will forbear, uh, it will forgive, and it gives up the right for revenge and does not deliberately cause fights. Have you ever met someone who had a grudge against someone else? Against someone who had offended them or done something to them maybe 20, 30 years ago, and they've never, as the saints says, buried the hatchet. They continue on and on, and all they want is revenge. How many of you have seen the, um, the uh, film, and there are many versions of it, um, The Count of Monte Cristo? Yes? Mark, I think he said he's seen all, all the versions, and there are several. I've seen at least two or three of them. But the, 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 the thing that, that is driving him, the Count of Monte Cristo, I forget what his name was, the thing that drove him was revenge. That's all he wanted. He wanted revenge against those who had hurt him. Titus 3 and verse 2 says, To speak evil of no man. Well, let me, gentle wisdom will forbear, it will forgive, uh, it gives up the right for revenge, and it does not deliberately cause fights. Titus 3.2 says, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. And a brawler is uh, someone who is rough, uh, who likes to get in a fight or quarrel. Um, what word is used, Scott, in your version you're reading right now. Is the word brawler in there? What is the word? That's Titus 3 and verse 2. Sorry. Yes or right? Yeah, we're out of James. That's all right. Titus 3 and verse 2. Does someone help? Uh -huh. To malign. That's the word. Someone else have a different word? To avoid quarreling. Okay, and that's basically what we've said. Someone who, who's rough and tough and they just like to get in a fight. They like to quarrel. You ever met someone like that? <laughs> By the way, the word gentleness there in uh, verse 
uh, in 17, he says gentle. And uh, that word, it, it, um, it is it, from the Greek word that that word comes from, we get the word gentleman, gentleman. Someone has said, how can a man have evidence that he is a true Christian who is not such? The highest title which can be given to a man is that he is a Christian gentleman. I like that. Gentleness. And then James goes on, and uh, the next word he uses is uh, the word compliant. All right? Compliant. And that word, uh, he says uh, in this verse here, it says, easy to be entreated. Okay? And that means, that means reasonableness. Uh, not stubborn or, or willing to yield to others, but to be sensitive in obedience to God's standards. In chapter 4 and verse 7, James says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. And so the phrase, easy to be entreated, is, it's one word, easy to be entreated. It's really one word in the Greek. And it refers to one who readily and happily submits to discipline, particularly military discipline. It describes a soldier who is happy and he's, uh, he's willing to obey orders. Real wisdom. Uh, let me just interject a thought here. You know, when I was, how many veterans we have here? John, Mike, Bill. All right. Uh, you know, the military today is not what it used to be. And uh, we ministered for many years to the military communities in, in Europe. And boy, I tell you what, what they're putting out now is not what it used to be. You know what the problem is? Again, it's man's heart. And the problem we have in the military today is the lack of discipline. Discipline. And uh, respecting authority. And people don't want to do that today. People don't want authority in their lives. They don't want government authority. We don't want, you know, spiritual authority, parental authority. We just don't want anybody to have authority over us. We want to do what we want to do. Mike? Yes. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Corruption begins it begins at the top. If Chris was, I was just thinking, if Chris was here, I'm sure she would concur with what we're talking about right now. Yeah. 
just the lack of discipline today, the lack of submitting to authority. All right. Uh, the next thing that James mentions after compliant is compassion. All right. Wisdom, it, it, it's full of mercy or, or compassion. And this means that the person who follows God's wisdom is controlled by mercy. And because of the mercy of God has shown us, uh, we should also show compassion to others. Warren Wiersbe uh, was an author. He was a pastor. He's with the Lord now. Uh, I've had many of his books, and I've, I've appreciated his writings. But uh, I remember reading once or hearing one of his messages years ago, and he said this about compassion. For a definition, he said, compassion is your hurt in my heart. Think of that. When, I have, when I'm hurting in my heart like you're hurting, that's true, real compassion. Compassion is your hurt in my heart. Jesus said in Luke 6, 36, Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. Aren't you glad that we have a merciful God? He also said this in Matthew 5, 7, again, referring to the Beatitudes, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 1, 3, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. And then he mentions, James mentions good works in verse 17. Uh, and this is closely linked with mercy, okay? And it refers to the benevolent deeds and acts of kindness and concern for those who are suffering pain and hardship. So real wisdom is compassionate. It's just, it's benevolent, and it produces kind actions towards others. Earl Kelly, uh, another author, said this, Mercy is not just an emotion of pity, but a compassion which leads to practical help. Uh, John Blanchard, another, you familiar with John Blanchard more? Yeah, I think we use some of his booklets, don't we? The Ultimate Questions. Very good book. You've never read it. Very good book. But he's, he, he's a British-English uh, preacher. He said this, quote, A Christian should not only be growing in his knowledge of God, he should also be the best neighbor a man can have. When there is an accident or sickness in a neighborhood, in a neighbor's home, when some crisis arises, when some need appears, the Christian should be the first to offer help. Because... Godly wisdom has provided him with a store of good fruit. That's a good quote. The next thing James says is that wisdom is sincere. It's without hypocrisy. And, of course, hypocrisy you know, originally meant a, a, a dialogue. It meant uh, putting on a disguise or a mask, playing the part of an actor, and the meaning is to pretend to be something that one is not. Wisdom from above does not wear a mask, uh, nor does it conceal its aims or its motives. It's sincere. Wisdom from above does not put on the act of spirituality. Philippians 1 and verse 10, Paul says, that ye may approve the things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense uh, till the word of Christ. The day of Christ, excuse me. And uh, I think that word sincere, Mark, did you use that word here just a week or so ago? 
had to do with wax. Uh, without, huh? Without wax, right? That word means without wax. And of course, that wasn't anything that was made of vase or something or a vase. 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 Vase, okay. And if there was a crack in it, you know, the man would fill it up with wax. And so that's what the word sincere means, without wax. One author said that the wisdom of this world, quote, will make a chameleon out of a man. He will constantly change colors to fit in with his surroundings. The hypocrite is always evasive, always a pretender. And you know, folks, sadly, churches are full of pretenders today. Let me read you an article. How many of you remember Chip and Joanne Gaines? Remember, remember them? Yeah, I don't know if they still have their program. It had to do with, uh, they were fixer-uppers or something. They would do properties and they would fix them up. Here's an article that says, Nation shocked, horrified, as Christians hold Christian position. U.S., here in the U.S., reports from around the nation Thursday indicate that millions of American citizens were still reeling from the revelation that a prominent Christian couple holds a historically Christian position. Quote, we're not saying people can't be Christians. A Seattle woman said in a Facebook comment, uh, this is a free country after all. But when Christians decide to actually have Christian beliefs about things, I'm sorry, that's going too far. A man in Denver, he agreed, stating that he prided himself on his deep appreciation of and support for freedom of beliefs and religious tolerance. Quote, he said, so long as Christians don't publicly hold opinions, I find disagreeable. He goes on to say, it's almost as if they take the Bible seriously or something. He added, shaking his head. This revelation comes on the heels of a national Gallup poll released earlier this week, indicating that over 95% of Americans agree with the statement. Christians are allowed to practice their beliefs as long as everyone agrees with them. Do you see the hypocrisy there, folks? Hypocrisy should not be said of believers. Let's move on. Sincerity, did we cover that? That's what I just did, I think. Yeah, without, it's without hypocrisy. Okay, the next point is true wisdom produces blessing. And we'll see that in verse 18. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. True wisdom produces blessing. Not only will God's wisdom produce right actions and right attitudes, but it will produce blessing. First of all, that'll be shown in our deeds. In our deeds, full of righteousness. James closes this chapter uh, with an illustration from farming. And just as seed that is sown produces a harvest, so will the wise man who sows seeds or, or deeds of peace, and they, he will reap the blessing of fruit, a harvest of righteousness. Fruit, he's referring to here, our deeds, is the product of a righteous life. God's wisdom changes lives and produces good works. 
And Jesus said, we are to, in Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works, glorify your Father, which is in heaven. It'll be shown by our deeds. Then secondly, it'll be shown by our peace. Okay? He says here, sown in peace. Good works result from salvation, and it flourishes in a climate of spiritual peace. Not only will wisdom produce peace in our own lives, but also in the lives of others as we sow the seeds of peace. Peace is not a natural consequence in a world that is full of sin and evil. And we do live in a very sinful world, don't we? And it is filled with bitter jealousy. It's filled with strife. It's filled with hatred. I mean, there's such a hatred today, of course, against Christianity, uh, against God, against God's people. Every day I'm reading things that are going on in our country and the hatred that is being shown towards the Jewish people. I believe that Israel, uh, that God, uh, uh, that the Jews are God's people. They are His people. And we are to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Amen? And so, peace. Um, you know, men, men try to live their own, in their own false wisdom. So now, when we get to chapter 4, we're going to see what the lack of God's wisdom and peace will do, okay? And that is why we must sow seeds of, of the gospel of peace. Uh, the Christian life is, is one of sowing and reaping. And we will reap what we sow, that's for sure. And uh, the gospel brings peace between man and God and between man and his fellow man. A true wise person is a person who has received godly wisdom and peace. True wisdom is acceptance of God's revealed truth as personified in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 24 that Christ is the wisdom of God. He also tells us in Colossians 2 and verse 3 that in Christ are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And then in Colossians 3.16, he also tells us, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Therefore, to receive God's wisdom, you must receive the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only way. So, now before I conclude, is there any comment or question about what we've covered in this chapter? All right. So as I conclude this lesson, I, I want to ask you a personal question or two. What kind of wisdom do you have? Is it a humble wisdom that comes from above? Uh, does it produce fruits of righteousness and peace? Or is it hellish and from below producing disorder and nothing that is good? What kind of testimony do you have? Are you a wise man or a wise woman or a wise young person whose actions show that you're living with an attitude of meekness? Or do you have a testimony of being a person with bitter jealousy and hatred and selfish ambition and a prideful heart? What kind of person are you? What kind of testimony do you have? Are you trying to, uh, are you trying to make it through this life into heaven on your own wisdom? I'm afraid that there are many people like that today. 
trying to do it on their own. What was that old saying? They used to say, you know, you take the high, you take the high road and I'll take the low road. And we'll all get there together or something. It doesn't work that way. Here's another question for you. Do you know where you would spend eternity when you die? Or do you know how, how, how are you going to get there if you're going to heaven? Are you even a Christian this morning? How did you become a Christian? If your response is, well, Brother Escalera, I, I was born a Christian. Or I was born into a Christian home. Preacher, I was, I was baptized. Why, I'm a member of a church. Matter of fact, I'm a member of this church. Oh, let me tell you, I had a feeling. I had an experience one day. I, I had this feeling. And you know what? I read and I read my Bible and I pray. If those are your answers, then based upon the authority of God's word, I say to you that you are not a Christian. If that's your basis, because none of those things that I've mentioned will save you. If you are a Christian, it's only because God's Holy Spirit convicted your heart of sin one day, as He did in me, March the 19th, 1972, in Keflavik, Iceland, in the home of a Navy chief. And that day, I saw myself as a hell-bound sinner, and I repented of my sin of unbelief, and I placed my faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Not in being a church member, not in being christened as a baby, not in being a member of any church. And you know, Turning from your sin, that's what repentance means. And believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and receiving Him as your personal Savior. John 1 and verse 12 says, But as many as received Him. Not as many as received baptism. Not as many as received church membership. Not as many as received communion. But as many as received Him. The Lord Jesus Christ. To them gave He power or the authority to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. You know, in 1 Kings chapter 3, uh, verses 9 through 12, we read about King Solomon and what he wanted. He could have had anything. Anything his heart desired, he could have had. And God would have given him whatever he asked for. But the one thing that he asked for was wisdom. Wisdom. And today, you know, we, it seems that today we live in such a materialistic world. We have to have everything to make us happy. But King Solomon, the only thing he wanted was wisdom to lead his people. Wisdom. And you know what? He became the wisest man who ever lived. And here's the best advice that he could leave for the generations to come. And it's found in Proverbs 4 and verse 7. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. In all of your getting, get wisdom. And that wisdom comes from a God. And you know, he wasn't asking for worldly wisdom from below. Yeah, he had plenty of that. But he was asking for the wisdom that comes from God above. 
Now, let me ask you another question. If you could ask God for anything, what would you ask him for? Riches? Possessions? Uh, power? Prestige? These things are only temporal. And when you die, you will take nothing with you. So why not ask God to give you something that will last for eternity? His wisdom. Ask God for wisdom. And that's what James has been telling us here in this chapter. And then let me say this in closing also. If, you're, if you are not saved, then why not ask Him for His gift of salvation? And trust Jesus Christ as your Savior today before it's eternally too late. James said, says that God will give us wisdom to handle the trials of life. He will give us wisdom for daily living, and He will give us wisdom to take us to heaven. That's the kind of wisdom I want. Amen. So, why not settle the matter of your eternal destination this morning and come to the Lord Jesus Christ while there's still time. And remember this, eternity is forever. Where will you spend it? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for what we've seen from and heard from James as he has taught us uh, these very important truths, and especially the matter of wisdom. Father, how we need wisdom today in this world. Lord, if we, uh, if we seek your wisdom, you've promised that you would give it to us. We pray you bless the next hour, bless pastor as he brings the message you've laid on his heart. Speak to us, Lord. Thank you for those who come this morning. If there's anyone here who, Lord, is not truly saved, maybe they've been pretending all this time. Help them to get it settled, the matter of their salvation, today, once and for all. And we'll thank you for that. We ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said. And all God's people said. Amen. Amen.